And I remember at one point there was a friend I had in college named Thor. And uh, yeah, Thor. <laughs> yep. Okay. God of Thunder. Is this the same yeah. Thor I know? No, different. Thor. Oh, okay. Different okay. Thor. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and welcome back to the All Things All People podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Jenkins, president of All Things All People. And the goal of All Things All People is to raise up generations of Christian thinkers to understand and reach the world around them with the transformative message of the gospel. So I'm so glad that you've tuned in, you've downloaded, you're streaming, maybe you're driving in your car, maybe you're uh, laying in bed trying to fall asleep, and this is the best thing that you can think of uh, to listen to. No matter what, I'm honored that you have uh, jumped on, that you're listening, and that you are a part of the vision of all things, all people. Today's crew episode is me and the guys discussing sharing the gospel in unique ways depending on who you're talking to. But first, I just wanted to talk a little bit. This episode was delayed partially because of technical difficulties. It's a it's a small operation and so sometimes when when one thing goes wrong, it delays us by about a day. Um, so it's delayed because of that. But then also this uh, p- this podcast is being published on Tuesday, November 10th. One week to the day after the 2020 presidential election between President Donald Trump and now President-elect Joe Biden. And honestly, I just wanted to see if I could hold off on publishing this episode until we knew a little bit more about what was going on with the election. And, you know, the way podcasting works, you could be listening to this 10 years from now. And maybe you're chuckling because you know so much that I don't. Um, and, and I hope that if that's true, that things have worked out to the better because right now things are pretty crazy. Things are, um, very divisive in our country. And many of you are international listeners. Um, many people from the UK from, uh, recently the show was ranked in Norway and Malaysia in the Christianity and religion and spirituality section. And so maybe you're not American and you're watching, uh, what's been going on. And as of right now. Uh, Joe Biden is considered the president-elect, but uh, President Trump is in the process, it seems, of making some legal challenges, saying that there was election fraud, and uh, that's certainly in his right. Um, I was, uh, you know, I'm old enough, unfortunately, I suppose, to remember the, the, the 2000 election between George W. Bush and Al Gore, and I can remember being very young, but old enough to remember when it was decided uh, through the recount in Florida that George W. was going to be president. And, you know, there's so many um, differences between what happened in 2000 and what happened, uh, what's happening now in 2020. Um, But I can remember the division um, and the feeling that uh, maybe there was something going on and we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram back then. And thank goodness for that, because we probably would have made it just as bad then as it is now. So I just wanted to say that my encouragement to all things, all people listeners um, is to be patient, not just simply be patient with how things are going to work out because we know that president Trump is going to bring about legal challenges, which as I said, is within his legal right. As far as I know to do so many people feel as if he's dragging his feet. Many people feel as if his, his followers are uh, making claims that are erroneous Um, But, you know, they don't feel that way. Um, Trump's followers, um, his devout followers, uh, uh, feel as if they've been cheated. And uh, even if you disagree, 
there is a legal right in this country for him to make that claim and to see it out. Now, now my hope, and if you are listening and you are uh, somebody who feels as if this election, there was fraud and there was cheating, my hope is that if the legal processes are followed through and, you know, whatever the decision is made, that we would all honor it. Now, there's a lot of people, though, that, um, you know, really need to hear this word patient and not just be patient with the process, but be patient with one another. Um, I, I follow, I make it a practice to not unfollow people on social media who disagree with me politically, partially because almost nobody knows what I think of politically. I'm pretty good at keeping it to myself. And as a pastor, I feel like with few exceptions, um, things like the right to, uh, the life of the unborn, um, how we should be treating, um, refugees and immigrants and, and, uh, things like that. I, there's, there's very few positions that I feel I need to make a stand on publicly, but I try my best not to disengage with people who disagree with me or, or disengage with people whose way of doing things is different than mine. So I've been privileged to see many of my friends and uh, family and people that I follow on social media who I know personally and some that I don't, who I think are very much being impatient with one another. Um, they're being quick to disengage. They're being quick to disenfranchise. They're being quick to accuse and I think right now as Christians, if you're a Christian and you're listening to this, you need to not fall into that trap. You need to not fall into the trap of creating groups of others. And we need to love one another, but we also need to love our enemies. And there's a theologian, um, Miroslav Wolf. He's a super interesting guy. I'm actually trying to get him on the show. So if somehow Miroslav Wolf is listening, Miroslav, uh, 2021, we're going to do this, but, uh, he, he, he's a unique theologian and comes from a perspective of growing up in the former Yugoslav where he's seen civil unrest. He's seen violence. He's seen political tensions boil over into dissension that leads to conflict. And he says, it's interesting that Christians in the West do such a good job remembering the command to love God. And they do a very good job of remembering the command to love one another. And in fact, you know, as a youth pastor, I remember seeing shirts at camp and shirts with other youth groups and, and popular Christian shirt companies that say, uh, have shirts that say, love God and love others, you know, and, and as if that's the only thing we have to do, because Miroslav Wolf says, we often forget the command to love our enemies. And he said, to forsake the command to love your enemy is to de-Christianify the Christian faith. And so in the West, especially in the United States, we often pretend like we don't have enemies because we're free. You know, we, 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 the people who disagree with us are free to disagree with us. There's no, there's been no uh, civil war in this country for over a hundred years. But I believe now more than ever, many of us have to open our eyes to that there are truth. There is truth to the idea that there are groups of people that we deem enemies. And they are among us. There are people that we treat as enemies. There are people that we uh, treat as other than. And Christ, if he were here, would tell you to your face that it's okay to disagree. It's okay to vote differently. It's okay to campaign differently. It's okay to protest differently. But it is not okay to not love your enemies. And so my encouragement to you. As an All Things All People podcast listener, even if this is your first episode, and even if this is 10 years from now, like I said, are you loving your enemies? And if you aren't, 
What would your life look like if you were? What would your Facebook look like? Your social media look like? What would your family look like if you were loving your enemies? And remember that moments before he was betrayed, Jesus washed the feet of Judas, full on knowing that Judas was going to betray him. And what if we lived our lives in such a way that those who we know hate us, those that we know disagree with us, those that we know believe intrinsically different things than us? What if we still love them? And that's where the the heart of the episode comes from today. It's important to note that uh, me, Josh, and Ben recorded this, uh, I think it was the the day before the election. So uh, we don't really mention the election. Um, And uh, that's why I wanted to have this intro in there. And so my apologies for my delay. My apologies for my long-windedness here on this intro, but I just wanted to share my heart with those who have chose thus far to listen to the All Things All People podcast. And so I'm, I'm excited for you to be with us on this one. I'm excited for you to hear from the guys. These are my friends who often spur me on and challenge me. We have theological conversations all the time, so the only difference with this one is that there were microphones in the room. So. Uh, make sure to review the show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And uh, if you're not an Apple user, make sure to subscribe and share it on your social media with those who you think would also enjoy it. But let's get on with the show, this crew episode on sharing the gospel. So... And to give you a little background on where this idea came from, I uh, recently went on vacation. I uh, take a family vacation every year to uh, the great wonder of the world, which is Walt Disney World. Mm. And uh, for for people who may not be uh, may not have any knowledge of Walt Disney World, it's broken into four parks. So can we just stop for se- and say hello to Pamela, <laughs> your mom? Yeah. Say thanks for <laughs> thanks for taking Josh to Disney. Yeah. Hey, mom. I'm waving. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so yeah. So Disney World's broken up into four parts. Uh, you have the Magic, which is Magic Kingdom. You have Hollywood Studios, and you have Animal Kingdom. And the fourth being Epcot. So Epcot's pretty well known for the World Showcase Lagoon, which um, is pretty much just like how much land can we give to America and still call it the World Showcase Lagoon, <laughs> but the most popular place at the World Showcase Lagoon, like by far, is Japan. And it's very clear because when you go there, you're like, man, this place is a ghost town. And then you hit mm-hmm. Japan and it's just this giant collage of people from different why, cultures. Why is it? Why is Japan? That seems strange to me that Japan would be, of all those cultures, why is Japan the one so, that stands out? Well, I, I think there's probably a plethora of reasons for that honestly it's where the dull whips are <laughs> that's not where the dull whips are <laughs> that's where the sake is but, um, <laughs> so we'll put that on the back burner of reasons to go to japan but so one thing within the generation of uh of younger adults that you would think about going to japan mm-hmm. or, or um, being interested in japan and going to disney world so anime is mm-hmm. a huge cultural icon right now making growing back it is it is making a strong comeback um in the same way where a lot of the younger people that would usually go to disney world they would congregate to more of your magic kingdom animal kingdom so the people that are going to disney world or to epcot i should say are much more in that middle range mm-hmm. right but the big reason being being uh anime and then another reason is just it's so different 
from everywhere else there. Like you go to France, you go to, um, to, to all the other locations on the World Showcase Lagoon, and it has like a hint of America. And you go to Japan, you're like, this is totally foreign. Mm-hmm. This this looks completely different. And I think there's something about that that's attractional. Hmm. Um, but anyway, so I go into Japan because I'm like, what's all this buzz about? And uh, they have the largest stores in the World, Sh- World uh, Showcase Lagoon as well. And we're walking through, and you're just digging your way through just anime, 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 anime. Like as far as you can go, and, and as somebody who's not really initiated. Naruto. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Did you, the, watch anime? Did you watch anime when you were a kid? Just like the closest thing would be like Dragon Ball Z. Is that is that technically anime? Is it? I have no idea. I, I assume so. I mean, if that's not then no. Is Jeremy, I don't anime. Okay, I believe yeah, so. Yeah, okay, like yeah, Pokemon. Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh. okay, so we're yeah, Pokemon yeah. Thing. You had we're card anime. games yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay, so we're with you now. Yeah, yeah. we're tracking. Boom, movies. there it is. Um, yeah, so we've never got hate on a all things all people uh, podcast <laughs> until now. It, but, but our I don't know our anime friends are going to be coming out yeah. of the woodworks and be like, you are you are so before you before you right and the whole point of this episode is that they don't feel and uh, um alienated at all but anyway to continue the story i'm walking through this part in japan and uh i get to the back of the store and you move out of all of this this anime cartoon characters a bunch of hello kitty by the way mm-hmm. all over the place yeah and uh there's all this beautiful artwork and pottery and of course you got samurai swords and uh but just the higher like the upper echelon of expensive gifts that you could get somebody from disney world um i didn't know you could buy a 500 hundred dollar sword at disney world oh, wow. and bring it home i don't really know what the process is for like that. that should be allowed <laughs> yeah and uh especially with some of the kids you see there but i saw this this plate and it was this beautiful piece of pottery. It was like a like a rich like sky blue, but like something about it is like really catches your eye in the fact that it's cracked. And have either one of you guys ever heard of Kintsugi? Mm-hmm. So Kintsugi, I believe it's K E N T S U I G I Kintsugi, mm-hmm. and it's a traditional Japanese art form. And they take broken pieces of pottery, whether they break it themselves or they find it broken. And they take gold flakes, like literal gold flakes, and they mix it with a very strong epoxy, and they glue the plate or the dish back together. And the value of these plates shoot up astronomically. And I'm sure you're listening, you can kind of see the the parallel to this. And I was really just like punched in the gut from the Holy Spirit just to be like, this this is a representation of the gospel if I've ever heard one. Mm-hmm. The idea that we were like those broken plates. That even if we weren't broken, we're very beautiful and we're valuable. But then being broken, you would think that we would lost all value. But because of Christ mm-hmm. and the redemption of the resurrection and being bonded back together by his grace, you know, those gold flakes in this Kintsugi dish were made even more valuable mm-hmm. than before we were broken. Mm-hmm. And really the essence of this episode, I was really thinking, I was like, what are the things that in our, in our own lives, and, and I know, you know we would call it a redemptive analogy, that in our own lives we see different things that we could use to leverage for the gospel, that we could use these as teaching platforms to reach other cultures mm-hmm. within our own culture, mm-hmm. yeah. that when I was looking at the diverse group of people that was 
that was at Japan at the World Showcase Lagoon and Epcot. Mm-hmm. It was like the most diverse meeting of people anywhere at Disney World. And it was all because of anime. Mm-hmm. But then the very back of that store, there was a Japanese art form that displayed the gospel. Mm. Unintentionally, of course. Sure, yeah. But what if we were intentional to mm-hmm. use that to reach those people in that subculture of our own culture? Yeah. So, like, in y'all's mind, like, I guess even before we talk about, like, the analogies or, or things that are around us that display the gospel, like, what... And, you know, to, to anybody listening, you might live in a big city. The three of us, we live in a small town in North Carolina, so it's easy for us to drive around. And um, goodness gracious, I mean, you heard the, the name of the town that Ben's club business in is <laughs> Sandy, Sandy Mush. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you know, but so it's easy for us to think like, oh, well, we have one culture here. But I mean, like what you're saying is like there's subcultures and, and maybe it's right now there is a huge comeback of, you know, young people who are watching anime. Mm-hmm. Um you know what? What other examples of like subcultures do we even see in our own lives? Hmm. Yeah, I think whenever you look at it, like it, it really comes down to like your what are your hobbies? Like our hobbies can become very like subcultural. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about like athletics. With um, I mean, we we uh, me and Jeremy both play softball for our, for our church. I, I dabble. Yeah, you dabble. Uh, we wish we could have Jeremy more, but. Um, there's like an entire subculture of people who their weeks revolve around getting to the weekends mm-hmm. to play softball and other sports like that. Mm-hmm. And there really is this kind of tight knit community that I think um, that the church maybe doesn't have a, a stronghold in or, yeah. or a, or even like a voice in a lot of times. Yeah. So I guess, uh, I, yeah, I think like, cause I like what you're saying and the idea of like being, being at Disney and, um, you know, Ben, maybe for you, it is like there, there are people who come in to, to the store or, you know, and all three of us serve together at our church. And, and I think it's easy for us to just think like, if I stand up on stage and, and tell a sports analogy mm-hmm. and all of my preaching is always sports, there's a whole segment of people listening to me that don't understand Mm-hmm. a word of what i'm saying absolutely you know what i mean and so i guess like so the idea behind just even this conversation is is like what can what's surrounding us it sort of so it reminds me um so we'll t- we'll make it a little bit more nerdy um so there's there's a story and i know i think i've told you to this or maybe i've told it in a sermon before but if you if you're listening you've never heard of a peace child or don richardson um, when you study missiology, cause that's really what we're talking about. It's like the idea of missiology is like the best way to do missions, studying missions, studying like how to share the gospel. And, you know, if you're listening to this show, you're, you and are in some form or fashion are interested in becoming a Christian thinker, like someone who thinks deeply about the Christian faith, but not just in a, in a vacuum, like so that you can reach people around you with the gospel. And so Don Richardson and his family were missionaries to, uh, a, a particular tribe called the Sawis, mm-hmm. S-A-W-I's. And I think it was like in the 19, early 1960s. And he and his family like ministered there for years and saw absolutely no fruit because mm-hmm. all these tribes, like the Sawi had these various tribes among them where they were just constantly at war with each other. And Don Richardson and his wife and his kids were like, 
They're trying to share the gospel. They're trying to uh, translate the gospel into their language. And they were also providing medical care and things like that. But I mean, like after years, like they hadn't seen any fruit and they were hugely frustrated. And so, you know, Richardson basically was like, Hey, we're gone. We're done with this, you know? Mm -hmm. And they were like, no, 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 please don't leave. Please don't leave. And he said, as, as, as long as you continue to fight and put our lives at danger and just make it impossible for us to be here, like we can't, we can't stay with you. And so they said, well, if we make peace with the other tribes around us, would you stay? And they said, yes. And in sort of, I remember hearing him say like, he sort of thought like, yeah, but that'll never happen. And because it was a huge part of what they, what they were about. And so what he witnessed though, it was the tribes came together and all of the tribes exchanged um, a child, a young boy, an infant boy mm-hmm. to the other tribe that they were at war with. And essentially with an agreement that because one of us is among you, uh, because one of us is among you, we won't war anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, there was this like reciprocal, like peace now, because like our child is with you and you take care of our child. Like that was the agreement. Like you, that you took care of that child as, as if it was yours. Right. And, and then we'll do the same. And then they were at peace because the idea of warring with a tribe that has one of your own was unfathomable. Mm-hmm. And so Richardson saw this and was just like, it was like a light bulb. It was like, you seen the Kintsugi, yeah. you know, of just like, um, you know, he goes, Oh my goodness, I got it. And so he starts telling them about how we were at, at once at war with God and nothing we did could make peace with God. Like nothing we did could, uh, would, would, would overcome like our sin and our, and our, our war that we continually, and made there was God. no hope for peace. There was no hope for peace. Right. And so, but God gave us Jesus and in, in Richardson made the parallel and said, and that Jesus was God's peace child. Mm -hmm. And so like, and basically like, even though, um, you know, of course the analogy is not perfect, right? We know like, uh, it's, it's not perfect. Like Richardson saw that and saw like, that was the foothold for him to begin explaining the gospel to the Sowie. And like, if you go in my office and go to like the missions section of my bookshelf, like pretty much all of them are going to mention Don Richardson now, because not that he was the first person to invent this. I mean, this is all throughout the teachings of Jesus, right? You know, but like Richardson saw this in a tribe like the Sowie and, and was just like, it's like a light bulb, like, Oh, I got it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and so, so like that's to me outside of the teachings of Jesus, like one of the best examples that, that I've ever seen of this. Um, and so I guess like the, this, the, the thing then for, for us, like three guys who, you know, I hopefully, I mean, probably not as much as we'd like sometimes are intent upon, you know, sharing the love of Christ. Um, and if you're listening, I know that in all likelihood, you too have a lean that way that like, I want to share the love of Christ. I want to share the gospel with people. Um, like in what ways can we demonstrate like that Don Richardson type, uh, awareness, or of course, really more so Jesus, because like, I don't know. I mean, what, like, what examples do we think we could find in the gospels of Jesus teaching this way? Right. Well, I think it's so funny that you know, we, we hit on this quite a bit. We we're talking about the intercultural nature of the gospel right. on the, the last conversation we had and referring to like, you know, Jesus 
in the the time that he did his ministry was very um he he knew the the symbolisms that would connect with his audience mm-hmm. and he was very he, he knew exactly what he was doing when he was talking about fishing when he was talking about farming when he was mm-hmm. talking about these things that were integral to their society wine particularly like new wine yeah, sure. like and the same way like i just think we should we should be aware of what things are going to reach mm-hmm. our society yeah as as well mm-hmm. right. um i think about um our church <clears throat> we didn't do it this year but we regularly do a series called uh god on film yeah i know you don't like it but I, it's I not really, that i don't like it it's just not my cup of tea I, yeah i thoroughly enjoy it because like lots of times i'll use movies as a way to share the gospel mm-hmm. um i think it's it, it's super easy because the movies are extremely captivating yeah um mm-hmm. and i mean of course you know c.s lewis wrote the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe as an example. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, to it, it was literally made as a gospel presentation. But I remember the first time talking to a group of college students and explaining the symbolism within mm-hmm. that movie and just like the oh my goodness moment that they were having. Yeah, right. You know? Oh, they didn't know beforehand? They had no idea. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and it was just profound. Like the idea of Aslan as this Jesus figure mm-hmm. and the the sacrifice. Yeah. And, and it was, uh, I remember that. But And granted, I know why Jeremy says this because lots of times... Uh, our, our one of our our head pastor he'll um he, he likes god on film but he regularly will like if we were doing like nemo or something like that he'd be like ah you see a clownfish that is lost you are also lost let me tell you about the gospel and i'm kind of just like ah you really tied that one in <laughs> yeah. I, I i struggle with it more because i'm just bad at it like i'm yeah. not i'm not the best at like topical uh preaching in general like i sort of get lost in my own that is false. uh I don't know, like my own brand, I guess, but I, I struggle with it. But, uh, but no, I mean, so like, okay. Yeah. So like the, and you know, those, those series get, if you, if you ever get on social media and see people nowadays talking about those types of series, like people really trash them because they think they're watered down. But I think that gets to the point of what we're saying is that of course they can be watered down sometimes it's, sure. it's more, more up to the preacher, but the idea being which one is going to appeal to somebody who's never accepted the gospel. Like, mm-hmm. Um, even as a fan of expositional preaching as I am, like somebody who is like walking through the Bible, like very technically and, and literally, or somebody who kind of goes like, Hey, did you see finding Nemo? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and here's this example, you know what I mean? So like, so Ben, you went to Western Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, uh Basically Ivy League. Mm-hmm. Basically, basically up in it, basically but, but, Ivy League Western Carolina. The <laughs> Ivy League of Western Carolina. I think yeah. it's one of two schools in Western Carolina. Yeah. I'll say that is but, a uh, shock. <laughs> but so okay, so walk me through because I, you know, I mean, I, I never, you know, Josh and I have never been to school at a place like that. We've never been around thousands and thousands of college students who likely are not uh, captivated with the message of the gospel mm-hmm. and all of that. Why do you think? then if we're just talking about young people or we're talking about subcultures, why do you think then that like the idea of, you know, that Jesus's parables were so effective in the first century as is God on film or, Hey, look at this Kintsugi uh, pottery, what have you, you know what I mean? Why is it so effective then if I was to go up to Western and teach that way, as opposed to, you know, maybe, maybe even an expositional style. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I know going through Western, like, I mean, because it's not, I mean, it's certainly not like a religious university or anything like that, even though, I mean, they're on campus, sure, you yeah. have church services and stuff. But just stories like that, I mean, at different times in people's different lives, they just hit you differently. Like, yeah. I know for me, when I first got to Western, I was not interested in 
Christian, even though I grew up, you know, going to Christian, right. went to a Baptist church my whole life and stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you get up there, you're not that interested. You kind of want to get <laughs> in other ec- extracurricular activities and stuff. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But eventually, I mean, I know for me, and I'm sure for a lot of students, you get to a point to where it is just, this becomes monotonous. I mean, it's just yeah. every day and every day and mm-hmm. just... Yes, you hear a story like that, and it can just hit you in a time where you're going through something like that. Yeah. Where, I mean, you're not really interested in Christianity or anything like that, and it can just strike you mm-hmm. so deeply, um, yeah. so unexpectedly. Yeah. Ben, I remember uh, the first time you told your story. It was really profound to mm-hmm. me. The idea of, I don't want to take away your own story, but with you being, uh, you know, in church services after... Um, Oh, like yeah, extra activity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just hung over, just like oh gosh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and the, and the supernatural peace mm-hmm. of yep. of being in that, and like a comfort, and like that being totally foreign mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to what is regularly found on the on yeah. campus. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was profound to me. I, I suppose that's kind of like I mean, part partly in an encapsulation there too. Like when you're talking about, so if you're talking about peace, child, if you're talking about kintsugi, if you're talking about Jesus telling parables about agriculture to farmers or a Western, you know, student maybe experiencing something and we're not picking on Western. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a lot of it's a wonderful Western, school. But, uh, wonderful, you know, wonderful so school. like, uh, you know, a, a student hearing mm-hmm. and understanding maybe for the first time in how the gospel is demonstrated to them, the foreign nature to it, the supernatural nature to it, like mm-hmm. you said of, you know, being, uh, you know, excessively dehydrated mm-hmm. in a church service uh, on a Sunday morning after yeah. a late night Saturday and hearing something in the gospel, how it's presented to you that should demonstrates its radical nature. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I guess what's interesting to me though, is let's just take a moment though and like think about Jesus because we have been so numbed to the crazy nature of Jesus's teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, so I just, you know, like we mentioned the episode with Christian McClellan went live today. Now I mean, we're filming or uh, not filming this, uh, recording this on the Monday that that episode went live. And we, we talked about how like Jesus in and of himself was radical because he included women. Mm-hmm. But what she talked about was, which was amazing. And it goes along with what Josh you're bringing up is like the idea of like making it, relevant for them without sacrificing the integrity of the messages like she talked about jewish rabbis in the first century would have never included women in their parables yeah parabolic teaching was hugely popular in the first century in Jew- right. with jewish rabbis but jewish rabbis because they were only concerned with reaching men would have never included women in their stories mm-hmm. and so she talks about how you know jesus telling the story of the woman and the lost coin uh-huh. um you know and then just the persistent widow, you mm-hmm. know, and in that's in that day and age, you want to talk about subcultures, mm-hmm. the most sub of subcultures would have been widows. That's why Paul gave instructions that re- true religion is taking care of them, you know, because nobody else would. Mm-hmm. And so she's basically saying like, Jesus's teaching is so radical and jumps off the page when you begin to understand that because he was teaching in a way that nobody, nobody else would. So I guess the question then for, for the three of us and for those listening is like, how can we demonstrate the gospel to the people around us? Take into account, maybe they are part of a subculture. Maybe they are part of a culture that feels disenfranchised, but how can we best demonstrate, share, teach 
the gospel in a way that we're not necessarily giving tracts. You know, if you're not from the South, a gospel tract <laughs> is, <laughs> you know, I mean, a, a little piece of paper that looks like a bill. But, you know, so, but like, how can we do it? Because, you know, you sell carpet for a living mm-hmm. at Cold Carpet in Sandy Mush, North Carolina. Um, and, <laughs> you know, you sell carpet. I'm a pastor. Uh, Josh, Josh works for a church as a pastor with our college students. Um, but all of us are seeking to demonstrate the gospel. But if we try and do it the same way every time, if we try and do it formulaic and, and robotic, we probably won't see much success. So mm-hmm. how can we be best like Jesus in how we talk to people? Well, dude, that's the heart. I know for me, because I mean, typically the approach I like to take is kind of kind of like the do on the others approach, as in if I think it worked for me, I assume it worked for somebody else. But I mean, that's not always true. What I do mean, you mean? Like, for instance, I know for me, like I've had people before where it's kind of very much in your face, like a, like one yeah. of those standard like gospel presentations. And it just does at mm-hmm. that time in my life, it just did not did not sink in just or it's it's just I did not care. And it's just yeah. I had to come to a point in my life yeah. to where I was kind of coming after it in mm-hmm. a sense. Yeah. So what like so, you know, you talk Josh referenced and we kind of talked a little bit about your experience in college. Mm-hmm. What was it then about? college church and what was it about the pastors and the people who did really mm-hmm. reach out to you that made you interested man it was just it's very slow and organic kind of it's just like i kind of came to a point gradually where i just kind of wanted it more mm-hmm. i mean slowly and slowly started going there and felt drawn and felt and felt peace in there and i remember at one point there was a friend i had in college named thor and uh yeah thor <laughs> yeah okay. god of thunder is this the same yeah. thor i know no, different. Thor. Oh, okay, different okay. Thor. How many? How many I was friends with know? Thor that got him. I don't know who Ben was referring to. <laughs> but I remember him. I mean, he just like casually just came up to me one day, invited me to a small group uh, for a ministry that was taking place on Western's campus, mm-hmm. and I agreed to go for one time. And then I was, it was like the end of my junior year, so I only got to go one time before, of course, you went home from summer. But yeah. like, came back senior year, straight there, rest of the year. Jeez. Yeah. Just like that. Just nice. casually. So it's just, it just different things hit different. For so different someone, people. yeah. So, I mean, so, so in that same vein, like Thor and, mm-hmm. you know, and probably a litany of people that you might even be unaware of were mm-hmm. likely praying for you and, um, you know, reaching out to you, but it, it, it had to take an individualized approach. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, and I know too, like part of your story was the intellectual struggles. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Of just yep. like, does this even make sense? Yeah. You know, and people, having the patience enough to to address that with you too. Tim you Mackey know? would refer to that as the slow burn. Yeah. The slow burn. Usually what mm-hmm. he says. I don't know for that one. It's not that I even found someone at Western that helped me with that, but it's just kind of stumbling on the books and like pastors through YouTube and stuff. Yeah. That just guide you through a lot of those questions and stuff. Yeah. And not that you get every question answered, but right. a lot of them. A lot of them. So I do. think we we even begin to see like we keep talking about like you know, and it doesn't even have to always be a redemptive analogy, but more mm-hmm. just that individualized approach. Mm-hmm. Like for you, it's amazing to me that you didn't have somebody walking you through it when you were in college. It like, was just it, someone it was more being, like the Holy Spirit yep. just compelling you yep. to do it. And then it took one guy just to come back in a very laid back way and just like, hey, you want to come to this? And I was like, yeah, sure. Right. And, <laughs> and now here we are. Yep. And yeah. here we are. <laughs> you know? And then I know for, for you, Josh, like, but you think, see, Josh thinks of everything visually like josh thinks of everything in in parables i feel like a lot of times when i hear josh talk like it is like well it's like this you know and so like for you like what were some of those things because you have a a fascinating story as well Hmm. of how you came to christ like 
So what were those things early on in your faith or even maybe before your faith that like really jumped out at you as like, oh, wow, I get it. Right. I think so. I think one thing just going along with what Ben was talking mm-hmm. about is like, you know, understanding people one on one. And but, you know, going back to your question, I had a pretty opposite approach, honestly. Um, I did have a pretty uh, what I see now I, at that moment, I thought I was like, oh, this must happen to everybody, you know, but it was a very ridiculous moment for me. Um, you want me to tell my story? Sure. Or, so yeah. when I was, uh, when I was 18 years old, I was driving on uh highway 221, which, uh, is in, it goes from like, uh, like Whiteville, North Carolina, all the way up to like Southport, Oak Island yeah. area. The and, beach. uh, yeah, the yeah. beach. And, um, I was, if you know me, I'm a very joyful person. Uh, I, f- I feel like I'm usually a pretty happy, usually. A pretty happy guy. And uh, But I was in the throes of depression. Like I was in a very depressed state. And um, I pulled up to a stoplight. And uh, I was convinced I was going to end my life that night. Uh, I was going to, when the light turned green, I was going to drive into the trees on the other side of the highway. Um, mm. And I had a supernatural moment where something told me to pull over on the side of the road. And I was, I just felt like I was comforted mm. in that moment. And, uh, even now I visually remember almost, almost thinking of someone sitting in the passenger seat of my, of my Mm. truck. And it was a very, this is very hard to explain, but it it was like the imagery of a friend sitting with you. And it was the idea of something or someone cares this deeply about me. I will, I will find this person. And I went on a spiritual journey and ended up walking into a church called Generations Church in Southport, North Carolina, tremendous church. And uh, I was like 15 minutes late, um, which is also part of my character flaws. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> like all of the the serving, everybody that was serving had already sat down. They'd already taken up offering. And uh, I walked in. They were doing a song that happened after offering. It was Hosanna. And the same presence that was in that room in worship was the same presence I identified in the car with me Mm. and uh, it felt familiar. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, so you're Jesus. Mm. You're, you're the, you're the God of Christianity. You're, you're this God. And uh, I heard the gospel that day, accepted it. Um, So it was, it was a very like supernatural experience for me in coming to Christ. I actually went to a small group at that church. And like I said, generations if you hear this you're phenomenal but the small group leader had that i would do that was not a great small group and uh and i remember uh i remember when i moved to western north carolina um i was invited to a small group and it was actually jeremy's small group and that small group was was phenomenal and it was like the highlight of my Sunday. It was Carrie Strickland. Carrie Strickland made it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Carrie, you're great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was a fantastic group. But yeah, and I guess I've always thought of things visually. So the idea of a redemptive analogy is always just always been on the forefront of my mind. Mm-hmm. And whenever I'm looking to share the gospel, of course I'm looking to do a relationship, like mm-hmm. a one-on-one. But I'm always looking for a way to turn what that person is talking about. Yeah, into a gospel presentation or what that person's going through or something that they find very interesting. And I've done it so many times that now I just see people's stories in the gospel. Yeah. And I, and I guess that's like my hope in, in this type of podcast. And I know that comparing Kintsugi as a way to reach the subculture of people who like anime, it, it can be sure. like an abstract kind of thought to most people. I think it could probably reach most people because... Um, so like, 
specifically Kensuke. We you know we keep kind of circling around it, but yes, it is Japanese, and yes, anime is Japanese. I I think uh, I have know. no idea. No, <laughs> I idea. mean we're gonna we're gonna go with it is. Because yeah. I mean? I'm sure the there's a purist out there that's just like, well, actually, yeah, yeah. 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 Weebs <laughs> of the world do not come yeah. after us. Please. And like, like yeah, but I mean, we, but once again, we're for you. We're for you. Okay, <laughs> we just don't know anything about it. But like, um, you know, I just think about it. It's it's beautiful. It is, yeah. You know, and I think beauty, yes, it is in the eye of the beholder, but there are some things that we typically find beautiful, and there's a reason gold is valuable. There's a reason why this, you know, this material that we pull out of the ground called gold Mm -hmm. is so valuable. Like, there's other cobalt isn't well, cobalt probably is pretty valuable, but it's but it's not as it's it's not as appealing, Mm -hmm. um, probably because it's not shiny and yellow, and we we don't make jewelry out of it. You know what I mean? And and so like the fact that you know you walk to the back of a gift shop at Disney and you know, not just that shop, but everybody places such a high value on gold. Like I think that demonstrates the gospel to anyone who looks at it. But what, what you're saying, and I agree is that like within particular cultures, that's going to stand out more. Right. And perhaps in a Japanese culture, which the Japanese culture um, is one of the hardest on planet earth. It is for the gospel to, to, Mm -hmm you know, make its way, you know, so maybe there's hope in, in these types of small analogies. Yeah. And one thing that I think really stands out and I I think about it because I'm always thinking about what is the bridge to the analogy, Mm -hmm. right? So you're talking to somebody who enjoys it. Oh, you like Japanese art. Actually, there's Japanese art called Kisui. You've never heard of it. But in the same way, I think about all the time, the one thing that everybody in the world has in common is we all deal with brokenness. Mm -hmm. We all deal with, with loss. We all deal with with these things, and and usually that is the hardest questions to answer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that's the the hardest question, like why did this terrible thing happen to somebody who deserves not this terrible thing, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea of being like, well, this bowl, this plate may not have deserved to be broken or broke itself. Somebody mm-hmm. else might have broke it, but at the same time, it was bonded together because, yeah, the the image of Kintsugi it. And you know anything that's we see as beautiful is subjective, but the process is objectively mm-hmm. special. Like mm-hmm. the the object of adding something of greater value to something who has lost all of its value, yeah, is by itself. You you have to see that as extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah, and it's universal. And, it and like you could, it, it might not mean as much to, um, you know, a redneck. You know what I mean? It might not mean as much because culturally it loses some of its meanings when you take it out of its particular culture um, within Japan. But but yeah, we all see that. But I think what, what we need to kind of like demonstrate for, for people listening is like what in the people around you yes. makes sense to them. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so like, like Ben's a phenomenal drummer and like, so, you know, if I was trying to reach Ben if I was just you know and, and and it's not just about reaching people it's about being people's friends and mm-hmm. if, I, if I'm friends with you I'm interested in drumming which I am interested in drumming I'm partly interested in drumming because of my friendship with you you know mm-hmm. what I mean but if if I knew that your brokenness had not yet been addressed by the gospel I would be looking for every opportunity to use drumming if that was mm-hmm. even possible you know to to demonstrate the gospel to share it um, and so for, for those listening, I think like the, the biggest encouragement to take away from just even this conversation is like, whether it is, um, something as literal of an analogy as Kintsugi or, you know, what we saw with, uh, Don Richardson and peace child, or it's just, you know, recognizing 
in a person what it is they need, like the people at Western did for you, Ben, mm-hmm. you know, to say like, maybe, okay, this is, this is a slow burn. This mm-hmm. is, this is, we need to kind of go about this. The best example I, I think that at least comes to my mind is for, from my personal life was, was I, I was the other side of it was when I was a new youth pastor. And, um, so I grew up in a youth ministry where all we did was play sports and like me and my friends showed up on Wednesday night and we were like, at first it was very transactional. We were like, we will listen to the Jesus stuff as long as we can play, uh, kill the man with the ball yeah. and football and, and all whatever else. And, um, but you know, it really turned into like, that was what got us there, but that's not why we stayed eventually. You know, we really fell in love with, with the community that we experienced there and the message that we were hearing there. So I showed up like my first day as a student pastor. And I thought, I remember my wife being like, so how are you going to, you know, what kind of youth pastor are you going to be? And I was like, are you kidding me? We're going to show up. We're going to have Frisbee, football, four square, kickball, softball, dodgeball, whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And I show up and no disrespect to the students. This is almost a decade ago now. uh, Cause so they're full, full grown, but like, not one athlete in the mix, <laughs> you know, I mean, not one athlete in the mix. And, you know, you guys know the, the guys that I'm talking about. Um, and, and now the black hole, the black hole, we called them that because that's where attention went to die because they were they were horrible. <laughs> they were horrible kids like to be their youth pastor. They, they didn't they didn't respect me one bit. They didn't have any interest in me at all, at all. And but now they're all engineers. <laughs> yeah. And the thing that's remained true from the time they were in middle school till now as engineers was in middle school, they were fascinated with computer programming. Mm -hmm. Well, my degree is in religion, you know, and I showed up with a football and a softball ready to go. And so just honestly feeling led of the Lord took a class on computer programming, um, like an online class, you know, but like, because I had no referent with them. Like I had nothing, I had nothing in common. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can remember a Wednesday night where I had learned enough to talk to them about what, about it. And I remember going up to them and just being like, so what computer programming languages are you guys, you know, whatever, you right. know, at this point I've lost it all, you know, but like, and I remember them talking about Python and C plus plus and basic and all that stuff. And I just started asking them questions. Like I wasn't trying to be a know-it-all and show like, Oh, well actually this, this, and this, but it was <laughs> like just demonstrating to them that I had learned this and I was interested in it too. And I remember one of their moms, talking to me the next week and she was just like uh said that her son had gotten in the car and was like you know jeremy's actually kind of (laughs) cool and 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 i remember thinking like okay here we go and so yeah for me it wasn't as a, a literal analogy but it was demonstrating to that person that i cared about them enough to care about the things that they care about yeah and and i think that that's the the key that really should unlock the box in you know we're recording this um the day before the election. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think right now it's as easy as ever in our culture to do the things that we do, believe the things that we believe, like the things that we like and the people that we like. And if you don't fit into my box, then I don't really care about yeah. you. And I think what, what, yeah, what we've been circling around in this, in this conversation is like care about the things that they care about. Right. Look at their culture, like what Josh is saying, like, look at their culture. Like if you if you have a friend who's interested in this, like what tiny minuscule thing can you go? You know, that's actually interesting. And that reminds me of this mm-hmm. Jesus. It reminds me, you know, and and, you know, even if it's like, oh, that reminds me of a story, mm-hmm. you know, from the Gospels or, or a story that Jesus told, you know, and just look for any possible opportunity. And 
and not unfortunately, I mean, it is, it is a joy, but it might take some work. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it might take, it might take you learning something that you don't know, or, mm-hmm. or even, you know, learning to talk to people that are not easy for you to talk to, mm-hmm. you know, but, it, but like what Ben said is like, it's, it's that individualized approach. Yeah. You yeah. know, I think, I think about first Corinthians nine, honestly, mm-hmm. and talking about like becoming, I mean, okay. I mean, I, I kind I'm of, familiar. I walked into it without even thinking about the podcast name. Yeah. But like becoming all things to all people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like we would go as far as to, you know, Paul talking about like, I've become weak to reach the weak. I've yeah. become, you know, all the, all these things. And like, we stopped short of being like, you know, I, I actually like, okay. So here we haven't had a lot of humor in this podcast necessarily, mm-hmm. but I can't swim. Okay. Right. I, I hit water. I start to die immediately. I don't know why. Um, I, the, the Lord's not revealed that to sure. me yet. <laughs> I mean, it's bad. Like, and here's the thing is I can swim, but I swim at like a downward diagonal <laughs> and I'm like a little torpedo it's not the direction, you, you know? Go. Yeah, it's not, it's not. And, uh, but here's the thing is like, I have attempted to learn to swim to get close to people for the gospel, mm-hmm. but it's the same way that like, we should be willing to do things that we're either uncomfortable with or that we really don't have interest in in the in the hope to have interest in other people yeah right yes to have interest in in something that they have interest in and be like you know what i really understand why you like that because mm-hmm. i actually like i love jesus and this is one thing that yeah. he actually talked about mm-hmm. he said something really similar to that right so so yeah even if you don't necessarily have interest in that thing like jeremy's talking about with with computers yeah like like hey Try to be interested in that because you care about that person. Yeah. Have to try that new thing. Yeah. The Moravians were a group um, that came and settled uh, in the United States. Uh, actually, a large settlement in, I think, Winston-Salem, Kernersville, which is, um, is that Eastern North Carolina? You know what? That makes a lot of sense because there is a lot of Moravian churches in the yeah. Winston-Salem area. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, now. exactly. So, yeah. so the Moravians are very famous for... Um, their missions endeavors and their prayer meetings. Mm-hmm. So they they had a they were like the first IHOP International House of Prayer. Like they had a nice. prayer meeting that went on for like I don't remember how many years, but it was just like unbroken for a very long time. But they're most famous for their missions endeavors, and they sold themselves into slavery. Yeah. So that they could reach. I can't remember. I should know. We. I mean, I, I can't remember which particular. Uh, ethnicity they were attempting to reach but like they literally sold themselves into slavery and went to like another culture and lived lived as slaves so that they could bring the gospel to a group that otherwise wouldn't have had it and so i think that's kind of what we're saying is like whether it's whether it's something small or a complete radical life change is like are we doing that you know are we are, are we doing that? And, you know, you think about like all the teachers that we, that we appreciate the three mm-hmm. of us even, you know, and I think all three of us really appreciate the same teachers for the most part, but you know, it's the people who make sense to us. It's the people who speak our language. Um, but you know, the world is not YouTube. The world is yeah. not podcasts. The world is not picking and choosing whose voice we, you know, let into our ears, at least not when we have, our headphones out like mm-hmm. when people walk into the store and, and talk to you like that's who's in front of you now yeah. you know like i can't i can't choose who comes into my office every single day and needs me 
to speak into their life. You know, Josh can't choose who comes, um, you know, into his life on a Sunday night in college ministry. Like I literally this week had an amazing moment with a Muslim on Instagram mm. um, who, and it wasn't like a debate or anything. Cause I, I don't debate on Instagram, but like it, it was an opportunity where like he posted that he had been called like horrible names. Mm-hmm. This is a pretty well-known Muslim. So I'm, I'm not, because of his religion, because of his religion, okay. he's a pretty well-known guy. Right. And I just shot him a DM because I felt the Holy spirit compelling me mm-hmm. to, to reach out to him and just say, well, Hey, listen, let me tell you the things that I appreciate about you. And I, and I, you know, made sure to include like, obviously we have tremendous differences, but this is what I appreciate about you. And, and so it was just like in that moment when I'm sending that DM, that guy's the most important person in the world to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I, I mean, I do know a decent amount about Islam, but so I didn't, it didn't, I didn't have to learn something to, to talk to him. Mm-hmm. But conversations and moments like that is why I went to school to study what I studied so that I could do that, you know, and could talk to him in a way that he would appreciate and understand. And so, so yeah, I mean, I think if you're, if you're listening to this show, whether, whether it's, whether it's seeing something as literal as pottery and going, Oh, when in, in, in my advice to you listening and of course, for the three of us is like, don't forsake that feeling of walking into the gift shop and seeing Kintsugi and going, oh, that reminds me of the gospel. Like, look around and see if there's somebody you can tell. Mm-hmm. Like, look around and see if there's somebody that you can be like, hey, can I tell you what this means? Because yeah. this one just came to me, you know, and um, and I'm not always good at that. Josh is actually tremendously good at that. If just like looking at somebody and being like, you know, what's wild about yeah. this? You know, what's wild about this, uh, this broken plate. Let me tell you about no, that. I'd say out of the three of us. Yeah. You'd be, uh, you'd easily be by the far the most evangelistic. Yeah. Oh yeah. Josh. That's, because <laughs> I, that's because I have the least amount of filter. <laughs> that is true. That's, yeah, that's true. Also which, true. Which also yeah. makes me the most dangerous person on this. Podcast. Also true. Yeah. Also yeah. true. Yeah. That's yeah. why we have a five second delay on your microphone. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. but so, so whether it's, it's pottery, whether it's, um, you know, cause like now, now Ben, uh, you know, is involved in, in reaching a next generation mm. and probably better than any of us understands like, Oh, that guy's going to take months. That guy's going to take years. Cause you see yourself in that person. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just what it takes. It's just like, it's not about this. Like even this episode is not like, here's how to reach different cultures with the gospel. There's enough textbooks it, on that. It's, it's more so about like, who's next to you. Like who's next to you? What what are they about? What are they from yes. a different culture? Are yeah. they from a different? Do they like anime? Like if I was a youth pastor now, which I'm not, it would probably be in my best interest to because we've joked about how much we don't know about it, right? But like, yeah, we it should be, probably know more. It would be in your best interest to have a TikTok, know about anime, and play Among Us. Like that would yes. be that would be your right 100. That might be your title right there. Yeah, but exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it, and that's probably the truth. Is like it, it, how effective, like how effective can we be as as ministers? Not, I mean, I could quit being a pastor tomorrow, and I'm still a minister of the gospel. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, like, we're still ambassadors. Exactly. So, like, we have to be aware. Of the mm-hmm. cultures around us and we live in a world that is not monolithic um like everybody in israel understood what jesus was saying when he talked about you know the various parables that he told but we don't live in a culture like that we have to do the work of understanding the different people around us and I, now that you said it and i'm thinking about it like honestly that is the thing that's most profound about ben that if you don't know ben the thing about him is with me and jeremy you know, talking about like truly understanding people and truly like getting to know people. Like Ben is the person who listens to people mm-hmm. talk and does not feign interest, actually is interested. 
and actually mm-hmm. listens and processes because his full attention is on that person in that moment. And that is why you have a profound effect in people's lives. Well, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, I think there's just so much that can be learned from, from all that, but, but so, you know, as we, as we come to a close, it, you're listening to the show, let us know your own stories of seeing a piece of pottery. And, and and sharing the truth of God's word, whether it, it, it may, let us know what it is. What is that lightning bolt that jumped off the page for you? Um, you've heard so many little anecdotes from us um, of just the gospel reaching us. Um, and, and so let us know, um, reach out uh, to all things, all people on Instagram. You can email me at Jeremy at all things, all people.org. Um, you're going to be hearing more and more from, from Josh and Ben um, and, and time's gone on because I'm not, you know, when I interview uh, people on the show uh, and then I come to episodes where we were not interviewing somebody, uh, I'd much rather talk with my friends. So after talking with all these uh, famous people, so um, but um, so you'll hear more and more from these guys as well. So, but yeah, reach out to us. Let us know what what jumps off the page for you, what that moment of hearing and understanding the gospel was uh, for you. And uh, and then maybe next time we'll hear about um how many uh thors <laughs> ben ben knows is it just two yes yes two. okay the fact that you had to think about it makes me wonder so. <laughs> but uh but yeah so gentlemen until until next time mm. thanks for having us it was awesome mm-hmm. let's do it 